the Workforce Connections podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to the WC podcast, where we explore workforce development issues in Southern Nevada. Today's episode, we have a special guest from the Workforce Connections board, Leo Belinsky. Welcome, Leo. Thank you very much, Ivy. What do you think about our brand new studio? This is pretty cool. I need one of these in my office. Right? <laughs> um, I mean, this is, I walked in here, I'm like, wait a second. I've, I've been in this part of the, uh, the building and it didn't look like this before. That's right. Well, we're doing this because we think, you know, we have to keep up with the times and the way people communicate is very different than what it was five, six years ago. So who would have known we have our own podcast, but here we are. You'll, you'll be a TikTok star before you know it. Right? <laughs> now tell me, I know you being on our board, you represent small businesses. One of the main clients of our system, uh, of course, is job seekers, but who hires these job seekers? Small businesses. And so a certain number of our board members are small business owners. You are one. You just went through a rebranding with your company. Tell us why it's important for small businesses to have a voice in the workforce development system. And specifically to you at HTS, why is it important for you to be on the Workforce Connections Board? Sure. So, you know, in order to stay in business, you have to have two things, customers, and you have to have staff to service those customers. Um, and obviously profit at some point. Uh, but, you know, we have to have the, the workers and what everybody that I work with, all of my clients across the board, their biggest challenge right now is staffing. Um, it's finding qualified people. It's finding people that will actually show up. Um, and, uh, to, to serve their customers. And in a lot of cases, those are medical prof medical professionals. They're looking for people to service their patients. And it's important both for the whole area, you know, for the whole Southern Nevada region, <clears throat> as well as for those businesses. Because if you can't take care of customers, same thing, you know, restaurant, if you don't have servers, you can't sell meals. Um, so the types of employees and the, the availability and the training options are just critical for everything that we're doing. Yeah, our economy hinges, of course, uh, for traditionally, we've been hinged on the major industry, which is hospitality, tourism here in Southern Nevada. But more and more, our economy is diversifying. We have tech as one of the emerging sectors that need a workforce, healthcare, as you said, even manufacturing here in Southern Nevada. And so we as a system work very hard to make sure those industries have representation on our board. Now, you've been on our board for a few years. What have been some of the accomplishments that perhaps you're most proud of? What are some of the things that you look back and say, I'm glad that we did that? So just, I mean, across the board, a lot of the initiatives are, you know, very, you know, kind of near and dear, not necessarily to my business, but just, you know, from being part of the Las Vegas community. Um, so some of the things like, you know, the, you know, the funding for Hope for Prisoners, funding for the, you know, the kind of the re-entry re programs, um, as well as, you know, the, all the, you know, dislocated workers, the youth. Um, you know, I've got some, I've got a couple of kids, luckily they're out of school at this point, they're, they're in college, uh, but a lot of their peers you know, not necessarily have been as lucky uh, to have the same resources. So. Those are the future workers and, you know, anything we can do to help them to be productive, to learn skills that are actually useful, um, you know, beyond playing video games uh, and, and doing TikTok videos. Right, right. Yeah, we have, um, you know, as you know, for before the pandemic, the labor market was such that jobs were more 
plentiful than job seekers. And so if you remember, the board and the Leos gave us direction to really try to tap into alternative labor pools. What does that mean? Since the the normal labor pool was empty, we had to really look, like you said, at the reentry population, people exiting the, the penal system that were ready to go back to work, uh, the young population graduating high school or college that new new to the workforce we had to tap into that the uh, the vets the vet population or even people with disabilities as we have companies here like Sephora who have high goals of I think up to 30 40 percent of their workforce they want it to be people with disabilities so interesting enough the post pandemic if you will we find ourselves in, in the same situation, different circumstances of why, but believe it or not, today, again, we have more jobs available than job seekers. And so, again, we, we, we continue to push up this way, as you said, of trying to move people from, you know, if you will, dependency on systems to self-sufficiency. So we had uh, several of our board members here already on the podcast. One of them is Guy Martin, who in his construction company was making uh, room, if you will, for our youth that we serve to gain work experience. Because a lot of times our youth has never been on a work site before, especially one with construction. And so he's been housing, if you will, uh, a model that now we hope to replicate in other places. In other words, we want to find more board members that are willing to house uh, youth participants in their company so they can, again, learn what it's like to have a job, work next to an accountant or a, a tech person or a construction worker. And so Besides that, what other ways do you think our board members could bring resources to the work? We have other board members that, for example, in banking, our, our chair, as you know, Jerry Merritt uh, brought us flexible funding to help us pay for things that the federal funds can't. What other ways do you think our board members could bring value to our work and help us accomplish the work? So internship programs definitely are something that, you know, as board members or just, you know, anybody in the community as well um, can assist with. Um, regarding additional things, it's, you know, we know what we're looking for. So the employers are the ones that, they, you know, they know what kinds of skills they need. So it's really that may be an area where the the employers and the board members that are employers can actually work with the, you know, the service providers in order to help guide the types of thing, because, you know, training someone in a skill that is where after they are, they perfect the skill, they're still not employable. It's a disservice both to federal funds as well as to their own time. And, you know, it can demoralize people. So we want to make sure we match people with the, the things that are needed as well as things that they're suited for. So, you know, if, uh, let's say cybersecurity may not be the right place for, for, uh, for penal reentry program, um, folks, because of the, you know, high trust types of requirements. Um, you know, and if you're disabled, you know, heavy construction equipment's probably not the place. So it's really matching the people with where, you know, where they're going to best fit best as far as the available jobs and their personal skills, their skill sets, their, you know, if someone doesn't like talking to people, sales positions are probably not the right place for them. Um, so again, we have to find, you know, we have to match those people. It's like little, you know, it's like Tetris, you know, right. you gotta, gotta fit the blocks where they, where they fit. Yeah. And you just described, I think the essence of our work, what happens at our one-stop centers and why we have service providers, as you say, the board approves those contracts because the work happens there in the trenches where somebody comes to our system. It could be a displaced homemaker that hasn't, you know, worked for because they 
he or she was raising a family, but now they have to reenter the workforce and they have to go through that skill acquisition process, as you said. And that is different for everybody because as you describe, we're all different. Some of us have physical limitations. Some of us don't like to see blood. And so we don't want to be in the healthcare field. And so uh, you're absolutely right. I think that is the secret sauce, if you will, that happens in our centers where why do we need to pay for career coaches? Because that's the work that needs to happen. People have to be helped, again, transition from uh, not being self-sufficient and independent to actually being part of the tax base, earning an income and contributing, if you will, as well. So, you know, one of the things that people talked about a lot pre-pandemic was the future of work. Before the pandemic hit, there was all this talk about how automation, robotics, artificial intelligence was going to change the workplace in a decade from now. We were going to have robots, you know, uh, running factories, driving cars. And so um, there was like, we got to start planning. But what we found is that this worldwide pandemic has accelerated the future of work because today on the strip, you see robots mixing drinks, mm -hmm. dealing cards. The other day I was in one of the hotels and there was little robots delivering sheets up to the rooms uh, for the housekeeping staff. And so it's just everywhere now you see automation, robotics, companies are streamlining their operations. It used to be in the airports, you would talk to somebody to check your bags, but now there's a kiosk mm -hmm. and hotel, same thing. Now a lot of the front services, front desk services are being automated. So I would like to hear from you in your industry, in the tech industry uh, and beyond, because you have clients across all industries. What kind of uh, effects do you see with the future of work? What's the impact that those technologies will have on the workplace in the future? So, you know, there, there's everything from, you know, uh, doomsday scenarios to, you know, where there's, you know, 10% of the people are employed, everyone else really can't be, to, um, you know, every, there are new industries that people will flow into. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that AI long-term, in the short term, we're not there yet, but in the long-term, there's a lot of things, even, even people that write code right now, there's, you know, if AI gets to the correct place, programmers, it, for the most part, could be replaced. Uh, for the most part. It's the people at the very top are still going to, you know, the top end folks are still going to have to help write the next generation of AI. But the AI itself could potentially, hey, I need an application, you know, I need an app that does these five things. And 20 minutes later, you've got an app. Um, that that's not science fiction. That is very, very possible. You know, IBM Watson can now diagnose oftentimes medical conditions faster than a physician. Now can, can would I want, if I was, you know, if I was concerned about my health, would I want only a robot doing it right now? No, uh, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, I don't know. Um, so, you know, the future of work is definitely, it's in flux. Um, definitely work from home is here to stay. Uh, we have a lot of um, companies that are where everybody's distributed. They may have an office where two or three people work and the other 200 are spread across the country and the world. Um, you can now do that. It truly is a global work for, workplace, um, you know, with the, the online meetings and the file sharing. And, you know, along with that, what's really going to be needed, at least definitely in the next 10, 12, 15, 20 years is cybersecurity professionals. That's an area where, um, you know, we're seeing a constant, you know, no one can hire enough people for that right now. Um, so those types of positions are in high demand. That may change. Again, all this stuff is completely in flux. And if I had a crystal ball, I'd be on a beach already. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, because like you said, I have ex-colleagues on the strip 
from the hotel industry that tell me the same. You cannot find enough cybersecurity professionals. And we are about to form here in Southern Nevada for the very first time a regional industry sector partnership for each of the seven industries that we're supposed to be focusing on here. The LVGA released their comprehensive economic development strategy, identifies seven sectors. One of them, of course, is information and communication technologies. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be, we are already in the process of forming that. So we'll be reaching out to you so you can uh, attend those meetings and see how you want to contribute or be a part of that effort. But again, it's all about making sure that these needs that you described are being uh, dealt with early enough because if we wait for young people to graduate high school to learn what cybersecurity is, why aren't we teaching them about those uh, needs in high school, middle school, and elementary? So that's uh, something that this industry sector partnership seeks to address, and we'll be reaching out to you. Hopefully, you'll be interested in participating. Absolutely. And not only that, but if, you know, when you're learning, I remember back to school, you know, you're learning things that seem completely useless and there's no possible value to them when you're learning, when you're, when you're a child learning them. If you actually saw where it could be applied, that you have to learn the math in order to be able to, you know, to either write code or, or, you know, or, you know, investigate cybercrime or, you know, those types of things. Now, it, you know, the light bulb goes off and what may seem to be really hard and useless now may still be really hard, but now you have more motivation to actually learn it because you know that's, that's, a, that's a tool you're going to need later on. That's right. Well, Leo, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. I appreciate that you came in to do the podcast with us today. That was, it was a blast. Thank you. Okay, well, that's it for this episode. We hope to see you in a future one. Until then, stay safe.